What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project podcast. I am your host, Eric Antonson, and today's guest on the show is PV, Paul Burnett. He's on the line right now. What's up, Paul? Um, Hello, Eric. How are you? Good, man. Good. Uh, a little quick intro before we jump into the show. Um, one, thanks, everybody, for listening. Super stoked. Uh, numbers are way up. I guess everybody's kind of chilling right now in lockdown listening to the show, but uh, averaging about 1,500 listens that I can count, which means in, in all the uh, the Apple stuff doesn't get listened, doesn't get counted. So that's through the roof. Um, and I was thinking, you know, like, man, maybe I should start monetizing this thing or at least trying to get some trade for gear or something like that. And then I had another thought. And the thought was, if you're thinking about doing something to support the show or you would be inclined to do something to the sh- to support the show, where we're at right now in the world, do something nice for somebody else instead. So if you uh, see someone who's working as a first responder at the store or something like that, uh, maybe buy them some groceries or um, support them in some way. And um, I'd appreciate it. And that would be rad. And then maybe when we get through this whole thing, I'll think about monetizing this thing. But for right now, I thought that'd be a cool thing to do. Um, yeah, it's trying to think if there's anything else to, I uh, got a bunch of good guests coming up. There's a, I've got about four or five shows lined up right now. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about them yet, but, but some cool stuff happening. So, so stay tuned for that. And I'll be knocking out shows more frequently now. I think I just rounded the corner on the isolation depression music's been getting me through. I, I appreciate all the love on the stupid clips that I'm posted online, but it's been really cool to, uh, to get that. So, all right, let's dive in with PB. This is going to be a fun one today. He's been hitting me for the last month or two with some stories that he's not going to share until we got on the show. So begrudgingly, I've got him back on the show. <laughs> uh, PB, what's up, man? Uh, well, um, even though we're all in lockdown, the world is a wonderful place. So, uh, hey, that's a great idea. Um, I just had a thought while you were saying it about, uh, you know, if somebody can um, pay it forward, um, maybe uh, a great idea would be if, if they are going to pay it forward that they can maybe, um, you know, lobby a message uh, so that you can put it up on the, you know, on your on your Insta or wherever it is so that uh, we could uh, see the good deeds getting done. I would love that. Yeah, that's actually a great idea, Paul. So if you do something like that, why don't you grab an Instagram, do a snapshot, tag me in it, and then in the next podcast intro, I will uh, I'll say thanks. That'd be cool. Good idea. Yeah, no, sounds like a good idea, and hopefully there'll be too many to put in front of the podcast. You'll, you'll be having to do it in a different way. <laughs> yeah hopefully actually it would be cool to kind of like uh to tag me in something and and whatever message you want to put out there i'll read i'll read a short little message or something like that which would be dope yeah that's cool cool so what's up man how's everything uh well i i've got a little bit of guilt going on because in this covid world my world has gotten a lot lot better and uh, by that, I'm a maths teacher, and uh, for the last, uh, we're currently on holidays. Our, hol- our our school, our normal school holiday programming started. Uh, uh, um, holiday started last Friday, but uh, for a month month before that, I've uh, been um, teaching from home, 
so I've been online teaching and so it just meant that my hours got – I've been putting the work in but my hours got moved so that I could just go foiling all day <laughs> and, and, and then do the work, you know, early evening or into the night. And so, uh, so yeah, my uh, my time in the water as opposed to, unfortunately for you, has gone down to zero. My Mine has gone up by exponentials, which has been awesome for me. <laughs> oh, man. It's tough not to hate on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I would give, I was talking to my wife last night. I was thinking what I would give right now just to be able to have a foil session. And I was just trying to decide if, I would, uh, if it would just have to be one because I think I'd just be a massive kook for the first session. Yeah. So it needed to be about three so I could get my feet under me. But it'd be a lot right now. Some would have you oh. over the barrel for sure. I must, I must, you must be hating it. You must be so cabin fevered. Um, yeah, you know, I got to say though, Paul, before we jump into all the foil stuff, um, I'm truly blessed to have an amazing family because we've done seven weeks right now without really leaving our property too much. I mean, we're close to New York, I mean, kind of in the heart of this whole thing. And my wife, after what she's gone through is immunocompromised. We've taken it really seriously. We don't, I mean, if we have any choice in not having Sarah get this, and I hope she doesn't mind me saying that, we don't want her to have to get it. I think she'd be fine, but you do, I mean, it's too dangerous to, to go through, especially after the three years we just went through. So we've been locked down yeah. for like seven weeks now. And I gotta say, man, like the family's doing really good. My daughter's has, has she's like taken up music in a huge way. She writes like songs all day long, and Sarah's always out in the garden, and um, it's really cool, man. So yeah, there's certainly some positives happening. Yeah, I mean there have been. You see, everybody gets to like kind of like take a step back and go, all right, you know, like let's reassess everything that we're doing right now. It's easy to just to kind of like be stuck in your ways. It's tough when life pulls you out of what you do, and then you have to. Uh, really examine all of the uh the other stuff that gets left left behind when the surf is good all the time so yeah that's good introspection um tell me some good stories man i want to hear uh there, there's been a few things that you've teased to me over the last couple of months that that uh that i'm dying to hear where you want to start I'll, I'll start by teasing you with today i i had my best wave ever and i know i say that every day but <laughs> But I fully had my best ever, 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 ever. It was so. <laughs> you also sent me probably the worst photo I've ever seen. <laughs> you can't unsee that. <laughs> That's fucking terrible. All right, what is it? What happened? Oh, I just I just got one of those waves, and and I actually posted up a, a shot of of, and I never know how to pronounce his name, but if you look at the last um the last um, post on the Lost Boys. Um, Patei Tierra, he's a ripper that, you know, charges at Nazare and stuff, but he also foils really well. Um, and, uh, he just, there's a video that I'm pretty sure that for the world, Brian put up and said that this was the most popular, um, you know, um, most popular shot of, I think it was last year, uh, when he was doing his end of year, um, reviews. Um, and uh, for anybody who wants to look at it, it's one of the, la the last uh, posts on, on mine. I just thought I'd repost it 
because I, I knew that I'd be talking about it tonight. But uh, we had a we had a, a, a three or four days of swell over the last few days, and it. I don't know that I was. Uh, I, and in fact, I would suggest that I didn't do it as well as he did. But I just felt that my ways were like just fully swooping. We call it albatrossing or albatries, um, <laughs> just swooping across across the the, the waves. That was just epic. Um, that was my day. But uh, yes, that photo I sent you. <laughs> as much as you, as much as I'm sure you're not liking it because it's. Um, you only got me it's, with one it, of them. You sent me four photos, and I was stupid enough to download one of them, and I didn't download the other three, so I don't even know what's in there. <laughs> it, it's something that you can't unsee, but like, there's just bruises all over me. Um, there's one on my backside, which I got last week when um, Tom was trailing me down to you know get the shot, and Tom loves to get nice and close, and he was coming at me. I, I did a cutback. Uh, uh, it was, well, a heel turn cut back. So I was going left, um, uh, as, as a goofy footer, I was cutting back, um, on my heel and I've seen Tom coming virtually straight at me and I've gone, Oh, and so I've tried to quickly turn back the other way, um, and got hit by the, um, the ski wash and knocked off. And I literally just went. Ah, straight into the the gunnel of the jet ski, and just <laughs> and hit, hit my ass, and then flew back. Both arms splayed off, you know, um, up behind me, and the, <laughs> my my right arm hit his um, his foil strap to the you know to the sled at the back. So my, my right arm slaps the front wing, and my left arm slaps the back wing. Oh <laughs> and my goodness, dude. <laughs> and funnily enough, the other the bruise on my leg, which in the photo is you know on my upper thigh, which in the photo is much worse than the one on my backside. I literally don't know when I how it happened, but just just suffice to say that over the last few days I've taken some bell ringer wipeouts. Oh, man, please tell me that's on video. Um. Yes, the other one. I, yes, the the one where I hit the, the hit the ski. We we're trying to download it off Tom's phone though, and and for some reason it wouldn't uh, copy across. But I'll make sure that uh, it goes up at some stage because I'm sure it will provide a few laughs. Golly, yeah, that does that doesn't look like it was. That's a that's a legit bruise. I feel like the picture could have been taken a little differently. I didn't need to to see your <laughs> ass there, but. Um, that's a legit bruise. <laughs> yeah, you'll just have to maybe drop it a little. That's <laughs> yeah. the lead-in photo for the show. Oh, man. Adam came to visit you. How's that? Adam Bennett. Mr. Bennettson. Uh, yeah, the, 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 Adam, the Adam story is a, is a cracker. Um, it started like this. I, um, Adam said, he, you know, sent me a message saying, I'm, I'm coming down. Let you, let's get together. And until until that, you know, I hadn't met Adam apart from a few comments here and there on, on Insta, so it's not like we're old mates or anything. But he said, I'm going to be in town, you know, can we go for a fall? And I said, yeah, I'm really, I'll take you out. That'll be, I'd be stoked to get out with, there with you. Because I love, as I've said before, um, when I'm foiling with, uh, with James Pace, I love getting out there with guys that are better than me. 
so that you can just see what's possible, you know. And um, so I was just really amping on, on, on going out with um, with Adam and and uh, and just really looking forward to it. I was, you know, in my mind, it just it's just going to be the best day ever. I'm I'm, I'm going out with Adam, and, and we're just we're going to a, a, a spot that's uh, to the north of Sydney. It's uh, the end of a um, uh, a river, and it it breaks. Depending on the bank, it's uh, it's it's uh, when the water runs out, it forms a bank, and depending on the on what the bank is like, uh, it could be up to about a kilometre ride. Um, so you know, it's 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 a good break. So here's me. I'm getting all excited, thinking this is going to be the best day ever. <laughs> and Adam was flying in from Bali to do a um, to do a DJ gig in Cronulla, which is the other side of Sydney. Uh, he was flying in our area until about I, I I can't remember the time, but let's say it was nine o'clock in the morning. So there's a swell up and. So I decided that good idea to, to go out at, at six o'clock with with James out at our local spot before heading up the coast to go out with further up the coast. So um, you get up six o'clock and it's like ten foot plus on our normal reef and it's dead set going off. And so the night before, I was telling one of the other guys from the Lost Boys that I'm going out in the morning, and he said, oh, isn't your ski, you know, it's, uh, not, not going too well? I said, yeah, it's it's got a bit of problem, but, yeah, I'm still going out. He said, oh, look, I'll lend you my ski. I went, oh, that'd be awesome. Uh, so uh, Matt Davies lends me his ski, and it's it, uh, it's not a brand-new ski, but it, it, he just recently bought it. So, it's you know, maybe a couple of months into him owning it. And anyway, so I, um, I'm down on the ramp waiting for James to arrive and I ring him up and I say, are you far away? And he goes, no, I'm just, you know, a couple of minutes. So I think, well, I'll just drop it in um, next to the ramp and then, uh, and then, you know, be ready to go out when James is arriving. And our ramp isn't your standard ramp where you just drive down, put the water, put the ski into the water. It's the ramp is open to uh, uh, ocean swells, uh, and the end of the ramp is is too mossy and 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 um, slippery. You would never put your ski straight into the water, so we have to put it down next to the next to the ramp, uh, and then anyway. So I went to put the ski just now next to the ramp, and this in the what fifteen I've been tow for uh, towing tow surfing now now tow foiling but for since two thousand and five I think it is so for fifteen years I've I've been doing this and this, what I'm about to tell you has never happened but I've dropped the ski off next to the next to the ramp and I've swung it round uh, so that the nose is facing into the water um, or to the oncoming waves but. I, I thought I dropped it down far enough up the beach so no waves were going to touch it. Anyway, freak check comes in, Uh-oh. comes up, picks up the freaking ski. Normally they're hard things to push around. And the set comes up and just 
picks up the ski and drags it out into the water <laughs> into this oncoming four-foot wave. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's, it's gone through that and it's just launched itself. It's in the water. Uh-oh. Anyway, I, <laughs> you're going to get laughed out of this. I'm standing there and I'm fully, like, clothed. I haven't put wetsuit on or anything like that. And I'm, going, I'm looking around and I'm thinking, well, if I, I can't just leave the ski there. So I think, well, I'll swim out and, you know, bring it back in sort of thing. And I thought, well, I'm not going to get all wet. <laughs> all my clothes are wet. <laughs> so I'm just stripped off naked and then swam out into the water, grabbed the ski, turned it around, and brought it in. And in retrospect, of oh, retrospect's always a beautiful thing. Retrospect tells me that what I did was absolute lunacy. I probably should have jumped on it and just driven it up the beach a bit. But I thought, no, I'll just swim it in and push it up the beach because um, it was like there was a little shorey running, but it was only like two foot. And so I just pushed it up the beach there and thought I'd run up, take the my boat off the my car off the ramp, park it, put my gear on and run down. So that I, I execute that plan. <laughs> However, on the way back down the beach I see that the ski's upside down uh. <laughs> and getting pummeled in the shore break. So I run down. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Oh sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I go, oh, no. Um, so I've pushed it over and off the side, I've broken the, um, the, rear, vision, the rear vision mirror on one side. Um, I find out later that I've, 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 broke, I, I've bent the handlebars um, and then uh, I also find out later that I've lost the, you know, the, the key, the, the key things anyway. Fifteen hundred and fifty dollars later. Oh God! <laughs> we don't even get the ski into the water because it won't it won't go. So I've not only have I wrecked my mate's ski, fifteen hundred bucks worth. I don't even get out, and the boys said, you know, it's ten, twelve foot, and just bombing. It was just absolutely magic, right? So I'm I'm walking around, you know. Here's, here's this day that I'd been looking forward to as a, like like a kid, literally for three or four days. Oh, it's going to be the best ever. I'm foiling with James early and it's just going to be pumping. And then I'm foiling with Adam Bennett, you know. It's just, wow, what a day sort of thing. And um, and so I've wrecked the, wrecked the ski and so I've pulled it up and, you know, tail between my legs. I don't get to go for that early. But I, I go home and I think, well, I, I ring Matt and just, you know, I'm just so apoplectically not unhappy for him and for myself. Um, and uh, but I go home, I get my other, I get my ski, and go up and meet Adam um, and the guy from um, Unifoil Australia, um, another uh, another Matt, um, and. We head up to Box Head, and Box Head, from where where we are on the northern beaches, it's a um, uh, it's probably a 15, 20 minute 
maybe 25 minutes ski ride across a bay to the other side to get to this place. And um, so anyway, we're foiling around in there and, and having a good time and, uh, uh, you know, swapping out uh, between sessions. And I had my um, – in January, I, I took my <laughs> – took my um, phone out with my uh, – uh, we use an Axis Go um, camera housing to shoot off the, uh, off the ski because we find that the, um, the, the footage we get is, is better from the, from the iPhone than the GoPro because of the – you know how the GoPro is so wide-angled, everybody looks like they're a million miles away. Can't even see the wave, uh, yeah. So use the Axis Go um, to put our phones in. Anyway, I was over in Exmouth, which is in WA, and was just going snorkeling and didn't close the 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 um, housing properly and promptly um, wrecked my phone. Had to get a new phone, so I got a I got a brand new. Um, I decided I'd just go with the eight, uh, with the iPhone eight because it would still fit in the the housing that I had. Anyway, so I've got a brand new phone. It's about a week old, and so I've I've done the fifteen hundred dollars on the the my mate ski earlier, and we go out and um, Adam and I are having a great time. We're swapping out between waves and stuff, and then we swap out. And I said, I look for the camera and I say to Adam, oh, where's the camera? He said, it's on the top there. And I've gone, mm, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so 1500 bucks for the ski. Now I've lost the, the Axis Go housing's about 300 bucks with the trigger, um, the trigger shooter um, plus my brand new iPhone. Over it goes. So I'm feeling like things aren't aren't so good, you know. <laughs> the day's not, not the day's not quite the, the, the day that I'd I'd been looking forward to. Um about an hour or so later, we're swapping out. We turned off the ski to swap out, and then we swapped out, and then the ski the ski won't start. <laughs> So normally we're in a spot that that's probably going to be okay, but as, you know, things would have it, my day was going to go from bad to worse and from worse to worser. Set comes through and I'm looking at this set going, that wave's going to break. And uh, I thought, what is the best thing here? And I'm thinking I could turn the ski. Like I had plenty of time. Like I had probably 30 seconds. I saw this bomb set coming. I'm thinking I could turn the ski around and maybe try and ride it in. Or on the front of uh, of the ski, uh, we have a, um, a handle <laughs> uh, that we have on the front of the ski with about a four-foot rope on it. And that helps us to drag it into the – um, into the water um, and keeps your nose in straight to the water when you're having to put it in in, in a little bit of swell or whatever, and it really helps. And I thought, oh, I'll jump off the front, grab the handle, and just, you know, point it 
straight into the wave. And um, unfortunately, uh, the wave wasn't that big, you know, maybe five foot. Um, but, yeah, it was just too much to, to hold on to. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, sure enough, next one rolls over. My ski rolls over. And James, in a um, the week before, had left his GoPro in my ski, and sure enough, it disappeared. <laughs> um, and the ski rolled and wouldn't restart. So now I'm on ski number two roll. Two cameras, oh, well, an iPhone and a and a and a, a a GoPro seven, lost at sea. All dignity's gone. Um, Matt and another guy, Santiago, was on another ski, and they dragged me in to the beach, and um, we uh, we called the the maritime service people, and they ended up uh, speaking to the uh, the uh, what are they called the um, the water police and the water police have rocked up to tow me to help tow me back to where we were, you know, it ended up taking about 40 or 50 minutes with the tow. And normally the water police would have done it, but this guy just happened to be up there. Uh, the water police guy just happened to be up there having a cup of coffee. Um, and, but the funniest thing was the water police boats come up. It's about, you know, I don't know, 35, 40 foot, um, sort of nice, nice boat. And, um, the water police guy was a friend of mine that, um, had done some work at, uh, Manly Surf School, uh, which is where I used to do some, um, coaching and learn to surf stuff. Um, uh, so yeah, we had a good old chat on the 40 minute, uh, uh, drag back to the other side of the bay and I forlornly, uh, with my tail well and truly between my legs, went home and the the day that I thought was going to be magic certainly <laughs> wasn't. Oh, um, what was wrong with your ski? Everything all right? Uh, no, the, my ski is still not fixed. I I didn't have enough money after everything else. <laughs> I'm sorry, to laugh. <laughs> That's a terrible day. <laughs> I mean, no one got hurt though. No one got hurt. No one but, got hurt. Uh, but two skis, two jet skis down, and a camera. I'll be, I'll be fully honest. But uh, I was trying not to let the truth get in the way of a good story. We did actually find the GoPro. It was um, the other guys when they came to help me found it in the water. Said, oh, "Is this yours?" And I went, "Oh shit, yeah, it is too." Golly! So we did get James's camera back, but yes, the rest of it is uh, a sad and sorry tale. And uh, yeah, I, I, um, I actually had to take. Make a loan to pay for my mate's ski. Oh man, that's brutal. Did you get any waves? Get any get any waves with Adam? Um, yeah, Adam was uh, Adam was ripping as as he does. Yeah. How's that watching him in the water? Oh, yeah. It's a it's a uh, you know like like I said at the at the beginning, uh, watching any of those guys, you know, um, James and and Adam. Uh, live is is a great experience, and his his ability to um, it, it, it's interesting. He he doesn't attack 
the wave as much as James does. Um, you know, like because I'm watching them real closely, you know what I mean, uh, trying to get that uh, draw every little bit along that I can. But but those turns that he does off the foam are just freaking magic. They're just you just go, what the? How does he do that? Um, you have a keen eye for surfing with your background, with your coaching, the whole thing. Take take a couple minutes and talk through stylistic differences because I know that you were watching closely between James between uh, between James and Adam, and um, I mean they're both masters, so I don't think either one of them would be offended by this conversation in any way. But I think that it would help everybody understand, like if you could hybrid the two styles, maybe what would you pull from from both? Um, well, as I said, James really attacks every turn. Like he's not he's not kicking back on anything. And he he really um, compresses into every turn like like fully like a short border does. So when he's coming off the bottom, he's compressed, extends through that bottom turn, comes off the top, um, you know, compresses comp- like as he's extending through his bottom turn, uh, he comes up, he unweights just like a um, you know you would on a short board. And then a lot of the time these days he's doing his rail grab top turn. Um, to just bring it around, but just compresses again through that turn and just fully arcs and brings it down. Um, so everything James is doing, he's doing really attacking, um, really attacking every everything like like in very much a short border um, technique. Whereas Adam is real a, a real cool cucumber. He's he's more vertical in his stance, um, and and he he's he's waiting for that just three second turn, and by three second turn it's what we, we've uh, started uh, calling uh, we we in the Lost Boys Club um, have started calling the, the turn that you can you can cut for the video, um, and and it just being just the turn, um, so you're not having like. When sometimes when you when you've got a wave and you know the way the guy surfs it'll be really cool and 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 so you'll put up a fifty second clip of of the wave because it the whole thing in in and of itself uh, the beauty of it is the the lines that were drawn um, and the turns weren't nice but there was nothing in there that somebody's going to go oh. Um, whereas the three second turn is the one that just got snap and just whoa. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, Adam's very much more just flowy, st- standing vertical, keeping it going, just really nice and just flowy style. And then he just does that freaking three second turn of his where he just, you know, just comes off the foam. When he's, when he's doing that, he compresses then. And as we know, he really compresses when he comes down or out of the foam. Um, uh, and, and so that's all happening through his turn and, and, um, you know, he'll compress into that. And then when he's, when he does the turn, he'll fully compress, um, in the turn off the foam. Uh, and then whether he grabs his rail or rides straight out of it, um, is, uh, is, uh, it will depend on the wave, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, flowy versus attack. Or in you know in um, uh, summary of the the difference between the two, 
Yeah. Um, you know, your concept of the three second turn is an interesting one because in foiling, be, I think because uh, you don't get those same dramatic releases that you get in shortboarding, you don't get the spray like you do in shortboarding. I think up until recently, it hasn't been as dramatic for like a photo or for that, you know, short Instagram clip, but that's really starting to change now. And I wonder if that's changing because our perception of foiling is changing. So the people who are most uh, foil brained right now are seeing the critical nature of those uh, moments, or if it's actually to the sport is now progressing to a point to where those freeze frames or those short clips are that dramatic. And, and I'm not talking about Kyle Lenny with straps on doing a backflip. I mean, that's like super surf porny, but um, more along the lines of like those foam rebounds or some of those tighter turns. What do you think? I, th- I think I think it's definitely a combination of the two. Um, like, you know, there was that clip that um, Benzai Grom just posted in the last day or so, um, you know, where there's a combination of uh, several um, several stills and a couple of um, videos. He, he does two alley-oops um, in different clips, but uh, uh, no, there's a, a video clip of an alley-oop and then there's a multiple shot of an alley-oop. Um, and then he's got a couple of others. Uh, he's doing some sort of flip. and Anyway, what I'm trying to get at is that I think there's, I think it's a combination of um, foilers understanding difficulty, um, and so even though from a, a shortboarders or a surfers perspective, you might they might look at it and go, yeah, what's that? <laughs> um, that's you know he's not doing much, but a foiler can understand. Well, that is pretty hot. But then you've got you know foil wizard. Those things he's doing is just freaking all time. Um, you know those snaps that he's doing, the the tail, the tail wafts that he's doing in the aerials and stuff, and Zaniac and um, and those guys are really, really getting, um, you know, some real like forget whether they're on a foil. Like if, if they put the shot on in you know Surfer magazine, it's still a, it'd still be a good shot. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's a combination of of the two. Um, I am really excited to get back in the water for a lot of reasons but one of them is to dive back into sup foiling i I have a long i I spent a lot of time on stand-ups and i'm I'm probably if you look at me like as like my surf skill set i'm probably still better as a stand-up surfer than i am in any other realm of surfing um and relative to the like the field then i'm probably foiling and then i'm probably shortboarding would be my guess but um the turns that some of the guys are starting to do, Derek Kama, uh, you know, Zane on standups are as good or better than a lot of the turns that guys are doing on prone foil boards. And I have a couple of thoughts on why that could be. And I felt that. But, but when I, I got to a point, probably if I'm at 100% of my current skill set, when I was probably about 60% of my foiling skill set, I stopped subfoiling because what I wanted to learn were the foil skills of, of pumping. And I wanted to really feel the board a lot more than I was on the standup. But I look back at the videos of early, like subfoil progression that I was doing. Some of those turns hold up very well compared to what I'm doing now prone. And I think if I went back to standup, I have a board coming. It's like four months late right now, but um, 
something I just designed. It's being vacuum bagged in California. And for some reason, it's just taken forever. But I, I, when I get that board back, I can't wait to dive back in because I think that in breaking down some of Zane's stuff, my buddy Chase Kostelitz is killing it, Derek Kama. I think there's some advantages to having that leverage and also being able to have the foil so far forward relative to board size to where you can crank a lot harder on it because you don't have to deal with the popping up. So relative foil position can be much different on a stand-up. And then you get that uh, you, you get the, the weight working for you. Can't wait to explore, especially with some surf wings, especially with like the Stealth 200 where I was riding bigger wings on the stand-up. And I think that that has started to change a little bit as well. It's gonna be fun to, uh, to dive into all that. I, I, I'm definitely with you that um, I think certainly the best turns I think I've seen uh, would be from the stand-up foilers. Derek Armour yeah. is just unbelievable. But there's one turn that comes to mind of Austin, Kalama, uh, out at the harbour, and he just does this just lays down this turn so hard um i can't remember it's whether it's a heel turn or a toe turn but like it's like the the uh, half of the front wing is out of the water and he somehow just brings it right round and surfs through it and so having that um that second or third point of of touch to the water i think I'm not a supper, so I, I wouldn't know, but it obviously helps, um, you know, those guys get uh, a much bigger angle and maybe, um, just maybe when they hear it um, uh, breach, uh, maybe they put a little bit of extra, um, you know, force down on their, on, their, uh, on their paddle, which allows them to surf through the, you know, through the breach because they certainly seem to be able to do it uh, in a lot more consistent, but also with more pressure through the turn than the prone foilers can. Yeah. You have, you know, in, in, in stand-up surfing, one of the things that I really like about it is that, well, for first for me, like as a, as a, like a bigger, like surfer, um, the board was no longer working against me in the same way the, the weight and the strength helped can instead of what's that can i just put a second there i heard you talking about talking about this big thing with mr sky rama <laughs> you little blokes you little blokes got nothing relative to the guys who were pumping around <laughs> <laughs> How many sessions are you taking out like the uh, the high aspect wing and, and pumping around connected a bunch of waves? I I um I got on the <laughs> I got on the nine hundred um, access nine hundred the other day, and um, I'm still pretty woeful at this prone foiling stuff. Um, but I got on one and I cut off. Uh, you know, after the wave, I cut off, and I started. I started pumping back out, and suddenly the magic was there. It was like, oh, oh, it's it's just going. I can do this. How did it feel? What 
what did you what did you feel? What did what did you discover there that might be a takeaway for someone who's looking for that moment of that aha moment? Um. Well, I think I've I've heard you talk about all this, um, you know, pumping stuff a lot and cadence and and different cadences for different wings and and all that sort of stuff. Um, and uh, for somebody who rides a, a small wing, which is what I ride because I'm, you know, towing in. 90% of the time or 99% of the time uh, all my wings are really tiny so um, like I, I ride the six, 660 uh, uh, which is your um, dihedral wing um, from Axis Foils and then the last few days I've been riding a 600 kite wing um, uh, that's even smaller again uh, and so to get on the 900 and have something with probably uh, realistically something that's got some sort of realistic, um, you know, um, uh, lift for somebody who's 240 pounds um, <laughs> was was quite the uh, uh, quite the revelation. So first, I would suggest that foil wings important, but yes, cadence. Um, it obviously comes into it and the fact that you don't like if you maintain that speed coming off a wave uh, then you really don't have to try that hard yeah you know it, you're not doing the big pump you're just keeping it on <coughs> the mast and just and just keeping that 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 flick on your front foot so that it just maintains that speed. At least yeah. that's what I was finding on the Axis 900. S speed is everything. You know, like as I am riding relatively smaller wings and still wanting to keep, there's always been this decision between pump game and surf game. And, yep. and you know, I think it's a little different because I've been in Florida where you're in eight, nine second period swell when it's, you know, good. A lot of times six second period swell. So you're not going as fast. And the maintaining of speed um, in that kick out is so important. I mean, you, when you have speed and you can kick out at speed, um, you know, the MFC wings, which at slow speeds, I think pump not good, but at high speeds pump great. If you can hit that, you know, 11, 12 miles an hour as you're kicking out, everything gets easier. Um, otherwise, you want to be on those bigger wings, which just have more surface area. They're easier, but they're so much less efficient. So you're going slower, you're working harder. Um, but that's the way I guess everybody needs to start is on those less efficient wings to get it down. Because that transition of kicking out the whole... Um, getting the timing right of kicking out with speed, staying high, matching the angle coming down the back of the wave and then not pumping, waiting to pump until you hit like flat energy or up energy. That, That's the hard that part. Point, that point right there, you just nailed it. That riding down the back of the wave and then not, not starting your pump and, until you're away from the back of the wave. Yep. Yeah, that's yep. a uh, that's a good point there, Mister. 
Yeah. Well, and that's one of the reasons I think high aspect wings are easier to pump is because that period, which is probably the most critical period of transition from wave riding to pumping, it is the most critical transition, is easier on a high aspect wing because you have more glide. So you have yeah. a bigger margin of air for getting to the back, getting into the flats before you pump. Yeah, that's fun, man. Man, this is fun to think about. I'm going to be depressed all day, though, I think. I'll just play a bunch of music. <laughs> you know, one of the other things that I started working on a whole lot, PB, before um, like the last couple couple weeks there, foiling was getting these little pieces. Of, so when you're pumping back out through surf, and I would love to hear Kane talk about this. I might have mentioned it with him a while ago, but, I, but I've gotten a lot better at it now. As you're pumping back out through waves, as you're coming up, right about to pass a wave right where you know when you're duck diving and you feel that surge when the when the wave pushes back on you for you know closer to the lip that that one there's like that one moment where you feel that pressure yeah um if you can time that while you're pumping over a wave to just get like it would be like a one fifth one sixth amount of energy type pump right when that hits it lets you level up. Like I think about pumping a lot as far as like levels on the mast and where you want to be. But if you can hit that energy right, it gives you a free level up. So if you could just change your angle of attack right when that hits for no energy for you, which would usually take you a good amount of energy to get back up high on your mast, you can climb all the way up to the top. Now, when you're learning this, you breach a lot and you feel you fall a bunch. But then as you cruise through the back of the wave, it's how Kane, watch, watch some of Kane's, his last um, last video, it's probably a week and a half ago. It looks like he is cruising 10 feet into the flats um, off the back of waves while he's pumping around. It, it almost looks like... That's that one at the harbor? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, I, 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 like many probably, studied that. Yeah, that's what he's doing. That's how he's doing that is. And I'd love to get him to confirm this, but my guess is that he has gotten so good at timing that energy as the wave is, as he's pumping through a, a wave coming, that he is now able to, to get that much speed to carry that much just from that one little top punch, which you don't even really see as you're watching the video, but that's how he's able to carry that next 10 feet past where everyone else would be. Well, I, I like the fact that at one stage on that, in fact, in two stages, one he's gone around the left side of the brake and the other he's gone around the right side of the brake where he virtually, like if it was anybody else, uh, any human, like he looks like he's going to, you know, come down because he's going so slow. Yeah. And then he he does this little pump, which is probably what you're just talking about, and then he, he's, he's off again. Yep. And my guess is he's not going as slow as we think he is because he's so smooth and it just doesn't take his body mechanic. He's gotten so efficient with his body mechanic as far as pumping goes. Like some of those wings, I have found that the majority of the um, it's like an 80 20 thing. I, I kind of like I have all these 80 20 rules, but but I think that 80 percent of your um effort or 80% of the efficiency of pumping happens in 20% of the, uh, the range. So your, of your power in pumping happens in 20% of the range. If you hit that inflection point, just right on the top, I think that's like 80% of your pump. You can push through it the whole way if you want to accelerate. But I think if you're just on those high aspect winds, if you're just, just popping it right in the right place. Um, and I think Kane's become 
like the master at that. I don't think anyone's better. And it's cool to see. And I love that. Like when someone good has to forced break, you know, with his knee surgery, he comes out better than he went in. I think that's such an interesting uh, thing to study, you know, how those forced breaks allow my buddy, um, Eric Goodman, who's going to come on the show at some point again soon. He does foundation training, check it out. Foundationtraining.com. Um, it's a whole series of movements. I, I do it every day. Uh, but he talks about how neurologically we get tired. So our, 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 um, our neurological system gets tired. And then by taking these breaks, you know, a two week break will reset, uh, basically your neural network. And then you're better it, your myelin is solidified. You're more efficient in that, you know, energy chain for whatever you're doing. And that's why you see people get better. Even language, like if you've ever, you know, done foreign language, you two week break and you're going to come out the back end of that better. His, his, his theory is because, um, we just run neurologically tired all the time. And when you get that reset for those pathways, you end up better on the backside of it. Interesting. Yeah. I think also somebody like Kaney seems like he's a bit of a thinker. Yeah. So he's probably been visualizing a whole bunch of stuff in that timeout, uh, which I also think is going to be, you know, a, uh, a helpful thing. Yeah. I, I, I'd agree with that. I'm just glad he's back in the water. It's like everybody's stoked to see him um, flying around. Now, on, a, on another level, I'm really, 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 really excited about the fact that I've, uh, I've done a deal with um, Amos Shapes. I don't know if you've seen Amos Shapes. Check them out. Uh, they're one of the board makers over here. He's, um, his name's actually Amos. Um, but Amos lives up at uh, Lennox up near Byron Way. And, What's his um, Instagram? It's... And uh, I've, I'm really excited. I've got a new board coming. And, in fact, he's, he's also making uh, – I've got a new prone board coming, um, of which for me at five foot is um, a little one. <laughs> I know that's a um, Mel for most of you guys out there. Um, and then uh, another uh, a nice little three foot eight uh, toe board. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm looking at them right now. What model do you have coming? They look good. Uh, the high uh, high flyer. Okay. A little bit like the um, FFB. On Instagram, they are Amos Shapes. A M O S Shapes on Instagram. Yep. Get my follow right so, yeah, now. Check, check them out, people. Good boards. Good boards. Um, I just posted up to see if anybody had any questions for us because I said we'd be talking. Um, and, and not a soul replied. Well, it's too early, man. But no, somebody <laughs> did reply. So <laughs> um, I should have done that yesterday, Paul. I should not have waited until 7 o'clock in the morning and then tag a bunch of people in Hawaii. <laughs> who is still asleep everyone's still asleep yeah all right so uh here you go on towing um and this is a buddy uh who tows in costa rica my kind of my crew down there um the 625 versus the 800 feeling so um and mast length if you could talk through the feels that you have you know towing the super small to the to the medium size wings and when when you use them, 
I think that would be helpful. There's a, there's a running debate in a crew that I talk with all the time about how small one guy's always lobbying for the smallest wing possible. And, uh, others are liking the glide of the, of the more medium sized wings. Where, where do you fall in that? Um, okay. I, well, all of the lost, the, the lost boys with the exception of Tom, uh, Tom rides, um, Armstrong foils and FFB, um, boards. Th- that's what they're on too. They're riding the Armstrong stuff right now, the 625 and the 800. Okay. Um, and so, um, he rode, uh, the other day, um, I still didn't, uh, did I post something? Uh, can't remember. Um, there's some stuff to be posted from that day. Um, he rode a tiny little wing. I, I can't honestly tell you uh, what it was. Uh, I th- it's not the 1050. Uh, it's smaller than that. Um, and he was ripping, like absolutely ripping uh, on that. And I had an absolute shocker that day. Uh, I was riding the 660 with a 750 mast. Uh, the 660 is the dihedral wing um, from Axis. Uh, it's got a 200 cord from memory. Uh, so it's not that small as far as uh, its cord. It's uh, it's a low aspect wing. Uh, but with the dihedral nature of it, it just turns unreal. Um, and I was using the ultra short uh, um fuselage uh, with the 440 back wing uncut so it's still got its tips on it um but today i used the crazy short um fuselage which has not been in production uh up until now uh as far as i know it's not available yet but i was talking to adrian roper the man from axis the other day and he said that he's got uh He's put some into production. So if anybody uh, is interested in the crazy short, I don't know what he's calling it, um, but uh, he <laughs> crazy stupid short is what he called it when he when he gave us the uh, uh, the fuse. But uh, it goes really well. But you're going to want to. It's not for um, for everyone. It's really really um, uh, towy. Um, and uh, squirrely, so uh, unless you've got, uh, uh, you know, you've been doing the foil and caper for a while, steer, uh, I'd steer clear of it at this stage. But uh, yeah, it goes really well. Uh, I was riding it today when I had my best wave ever. But um, the, uh, uh, but in answer to your question, so I'm actually riding the biggest wing at the moment of the Lost Boys at six sixty. Um, the other guys have all literally gone to the kite wings um, of Axis Foils. So they're riding the 545 or the 600 um, front wing and somewhere between a 340 up to about 370 or even the 400 tail wing. So pretty much all of our guys are riding some really small wings. It sounds like, and this is a, a trend that, you know, I've felt, although I don't tow 
I don't have much experience towing bigger surf like you guys do, but that as you start going smaller on those front wings to balance out the speed, you need more lift in the tail. And so you're going to those bigger tails. No one's chopping their tails too much when they're towing, are they? The bigger surf. Um, a few of the boys have chopped their tails. Um, I personally, uh, and this is a obviously a personal thing, but the when you're chopping your tails, you're obviously adding your into your turn, and you know when they're flat back tails, and maybe it's just I haven't ridden an axis my the 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 front wing that I normally ride with. Uh, a cut, you know, a cut down back wing. I've only used the flat wings on James's um, uh, go foil stuff, uh, and so when I so when I've been using a flat wing, um, I've had two things, you know, to take into account. One, it's a completely different front wing, and since two, it's a completely different back wing. But I've had a few instances where I just I had one wave, it was double overhead, and I literally got speed wobbles like you do on a skateboard um, where the thing was just wobbling around underneath my foot and I'm just going, whoa, what's happening here? And I was just, you know, in in um, death wobble mode like you are literally going down a hill on your skateboard, but I was doing it on a foil. I said to James, what's the deal with that? And he said, yeah, it does that sometimes. Um, I think he had a really flexy mast. I think it might have been – it was possibly more the, the, the flexy mast than it was the, the flat tail, uh, which was only about oh, – it was, it was really small, maybe 12 inches. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just didn't cope well with, <laughs> with all the movement everywhere. So, so, you know, it just might be that I haven't uh, – haven't uh, experimented enough with it, but uh, yeah, I personally feel like I, I, I like having those. Whether it be you know the um, uh, the the rounded down wing or the um, the the tails that I use have the you know the little wing tips going up, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's what I like because I like to my groundhog day turn is the big cutback and i find that with that tail and i use the 440 so it's a big back tail i think that runs it i can't remember i could look it up but push into it a little more maybe uh 440 mil but yeah for me I, i i like that extra drive in a long drive that i can get out of that uh that bigger back wing but as you say it's a for my size definitely the 660 is a is a uh a small front wing and my problem um from the pumping perspective has always come back to the fact that i'm used to such small wings when i try to um go prone and stuff um you know i i get on a bigger wing and i'm going a bigger front wing and i'm going oh this thing's wanting to pop out of the water i'm i'm just used to having not not a lot of wing so obviously that uh doesn't help when you're 240 pounds and you're trying to pump a little tiny wing yeah that's tiny man but you guys are going really fast do you, do you ever wear gps i know i've asked you that before but do you have an idea um, of how fast you're going yeah um i don't have a watch i've 
Um, but uh, yeah, we're going about somewhere between 40 and 45, I think it is. So that's um, 40, I think is 20, yeah, 40 is 25 miles an hour. So mm-hmm. somewhere between 25 and 30 miles an hour. That's quick. Mm. That's quick. You know what's crazy is every once in a while I'll um, wear the Apple Watch out. And, you know, even in like a two foot kind of, you know, shore run type, like with the wind type day, you'll hit, yep. you'll hit 18, 19, 20 miles an hour in like two foot surf. I just can't, the, the efficiency is unreal. What do you think, Paul? We've never talked about this. What do you think the future landscape of surfing looks like? Do you think there's ever a moment when foiling has progressed to a certain point, the efficiency is so much better that, that you start seeing foiling kind of overtake like shortboarding as a sport? Or, or do you think that like the shortboarding is too entrenched? And like, how do you see the future playing out? Um, well, from a popularity of sports and the difference between the sports, I, we all know how narrow-minded surfers are. You, you spoke with Sky Rama about it last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you and I both know if somebody, if everybody got onto a foil and had that 100-metre-long first run on a wave, then they would all be foiling. But, again, there's narrow-mindedness, number one, that keeps people from doing that. There's the fear because the damn sport is, <laughs> is, and, again, you were talking to Sky Ram about this, um, you know, if not the reality of how, you know, dangerous it is, you, it, it feels dangerous. I mean, you said touch wood like that that uh, you hadn't had any major problems. I spent eight hours in the hospital um, from getting cracked in the in the nose with my foil, mm. um, and had to get um, you know um, they were doing sutures, not sutures. They were burning, uh, cauterizing the inside of my nose and stuff. Um, so yeah, I've I've had. Um, I've had that foil to the head twice. The first one I had a helmet on and it went straight to my face, so that didn't help. Um, and uh, and then Matt Granger, um, who's one of the lost boys, he, he's had um, staples and stitches in his head. But uh, And also I was talking to a doctor um, from the International Doctors Association. I can't remember the exact name, but... Um, they're a surfing organization of this. He reckoned, and I like, I, I question this because I've not heard of uh, But he reckoned that three people had been decapitated using uh, using foils um, in the world last year. Um, and like I said, I hadn't heard of it as a thing. So I would question that. But... And, and again, as you've been saying, the, the, the danger that we all thought as far as, you know, how many injuries there was going to be or major injuries there was going to be um, isn't, uh, isn't uh, coming to fruition. But, but the danger keeps people out. Um, you know, so you've got 
um, the danger keeping people out, the, the, the narrow-mindedness of surfers keeping themselves out, uh, and then you've got the, the steepness of the curve of, of, of learning that keeps people out as well. And, and so I, I personally don't think it's going to take over – well, I don't think it will ever take over surfing um, as, as, a, as an institution uh, for those reasons. Uh, where surfing is going, uh, I, th- I mean, foiling is going. I, I think the foils and the better foils and better foils uh, come, a better being, you know, more speed, um, more forgiving uh, in the foam. For example, I, again, I heard you talking to Sky Rama the other day about that one particular, um, was it the stealth wing that. Um, that you know is really good off the foam, and mm-hmm. like the the technologies of the the of the wings, and you know whether it be mast boards and but everything, the technology has a long way to go. It's gone a long way in the you know in the well, it's gone a long way in the year and a half that I've been doing the sport, and you know I, I'm, I'm sure the guys that were there a little bit earlier. Uh, would have seen massive changes more than I've seen, but uh, uh, I think the foiling, the foils themselves, will get a lot better, and and that will drive uh, better performance. I think at the end of the day, I think we're going to be just seeing. First of all, we'll be seeing um, similar, more similar manoeuvres uh, to uh, to sur- um, shortboard surfing. Uh, I think uh, you know the guy, guys will get be getting more critical, uh, turning more critical parts of the wave, uh, and a la Mr. Uh, Foil Wizard, wafting their fins and and you know really pushing it harder. Uh, and then again, I heard you talking to Skyrama what they and I've seen what they do on that air chair. Uh, some of those some of those tricks that uh, that they do in the air chair. I'm sure we'll be coming our way from San Madars Pastor who just has no fear. Uh, might be Banzai Grom or one of his mates, Jack from town, but those young blokes, you know, are going to grow up thinking that those sorts of things are normal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure that they're going to be pushing, pushing more into the air, more into the to the um, to the multiple rotations and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I I agree with you there. I think that because of the speed and efficiency, once we get comfortable, we're so, still so early, but once the collective gets comfortable understanding what's possible and the skill set gets there, which you're seeing it like the guys you just mentioned, um, the growth is going to be exponential. It's going to be really really cool to watch and, and while we were talking about that i just googled to look up to see if people had been decapitated and it looks like the only thing i could find was from five years ago on grand canaria um a windsurfer a foiling windsurfer um actually decapitated a swimmer which is absolutely terrible um that is horrendous. That's yeah, but that's the only thing that I could. It's the only thing that I could find. You know, with like social said, media went, the way that it is today, you would know. Yeah, that's what I was there. saying. I questioned it because it hadn't been all over the place, you know. 
I mean, surfers who are looking for things to hate on for foiling would definitely be throwing that everywhere. You'd have a beach grit, you'd have an inertia article immediately. Yeah, exactly. Beaches exactly. getting shut down and stuff. So I actually wonder, it would be an interesting experiment to see at what speed that would be possible. I feel like a powered windsurfer with the weight behind it and the straps would be a lot um, more impactful than, you know, a light board without straps and um, 20 miles an hour. I, I don't even know if that would be, would be possible. Um, Cause I've hit fish oh, no. and I haven't. Cut I presume you, you're, I, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're just thinking of the board in and of itself. But you could imagine it happening if the board's picked up by a wave and driven somewhere that you certainly don't want it to go, you know what I'm saying? You know, yeah. like the power of the, power of the waves and, and, like, let's say for argument's sake, um, you were – you you'd done a turn, you know, on, on a, a large-ish wave, but for whatever reason, the, the foil's coming backwards. So you've got the sharp end of the foil coming back at you rather than the, you know, the relatively blunt um, front foil of the, of the, of the wing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could get, you, uh, you know, but yeah. hey, it, you know, touch wood, it's not going to happen. No, no. I, but if you think about like surfing, I mean, surfboards have fins. A surfboard fin is is not arguably different than a mask, you know. Um, maybe the angle, the rake would change it a little yeah. bit, but surfboards run over people all the time. And I've seen those injuries. I mean, like where I lived in Costa Rica is this super crowded beach break, tons of surf schools and friends. Uh, wife is a doctor. She's stitching up somebody every few days, you know, or every day, I don't even know. But you're not seeing necessarily fingers get cut off or 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 things like that i think it would be pretty difficult i don't know it's a pretty big departure from what we normally talk about yeah well i've got a i've got a scar on my forehead from getting the um getting the center fin of my board in in the head and at the same time i got one of the side fins took the top off my ear i looked like dr spock so i got uh <laughs> I got stitched up in in my on my ear and uh, on the front front of my forehead. So yeah, you know, as you say, you know, it's it's a hard thing uh, on a board, whether it be on a board or a foil uh, that sticks out. And if you get hit by it, you're gonna get hurt. Yeah. Well, I gotta jump into some real work, Paul. What do you want to leave folks with today? Thanks for doing this so early. I appreciate it. No, no worries. Um, what do I want to leave people with? Um, COVID's going to finish. We're all going to get back out there, and the real the world really is wonderful. Check us out on the Lost Boys Foil Club, and uh, have a great day. Right on, brother. You're a legend. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, and we'll have you back on and get some more stories up. Hopefully, some stories that are a little bit better than leaving people out at sea and and wrecking jet skis, though. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> Who's going to want to go? <laughs> did you see the post from the other day with that boat capsizing? Oh, God, I did. But you had nothing to that do was... with that, right? You didn't tell them where to go. No, no. <laughs> it was really weird. We didn't actually – we didn't see it happen. I was out there with Matt, and um, we were we were um, towing with these other guys who have just started. Uh, and so uh, one of them one of them's okay – 
at, at staying up on the foil. And the other one had his first 100-meter run the other week. Um, so he's like right at the beginning of the curve. And it was pretty big. I mean, you know, not huge, but you saw sort of the size it was when you, if you looked at that, that boat going over the falls. But um, that boat was hanging around like for a couple of hours. I, they were obviously fishing or whatever people in boats do. And um, uh, we didn't actually see it happen. And I, But I, I remember looking in and I saw the boys on the other ski um, in for the swell direction. Uh, they were where we would normally finish a wave when the swell's from the north, but the swell was from the south. Uh, which goes past where they were, and I was looking at them thinking, that's a weird spot to end up. Um, you know, I wonder how, how they got there, and I thought, and they were there for a while, and I was thinking, oh, they must um, they must have just got a banger and uh, of a wave that for somehow took them, you know how you can weird, end up in weird spots uh, with the foil. You don't necessarily have to follow the wave. And they're in this weird spot, not looking at them, I was thinking, I wonder why they Anyway, but then after the next wave, we decided we'd go in and then we got to the ramp and there was all these, um, there was all these cops there and, um, there was like five cop cars. There's a, a few ambulances and so on and so forth. And they said, Oh, you know, the boat's capsized out there. And we said, Oh, do you want us to go back out there? Um, and help. And the first guy said, yeah, that'd be great if you can. And so I went down to Matt to say, Hey, we're going to have to put back, put the ski back in the water. Um, and then one of the other cops said, oh, look, don't worry, the police uh, boat's going to be there shortly. Um, you don't have to bother. But, yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't until later that uh, I got sent those two shots that I put up, um, and uh, the guy who actually took those shots uh, sold them to the local newspaper. Oh, not newspaper, local television channel. Uh, and they were on, that was on the, the news last night. Uh, he said he'd send me the footage, and so I'll, if and when I get it, I'll I'll put it up. But uh, yeah, the, they were just the, they couldn't swim. None of them could swim. Oh, uh, there were four of them on the boat. None could swim. They had no life jackets, and oh, they were wow. they were driving around on the like obviously inside where the waves could potentially break. Oh. So it wasn't like they just came around the point. You know, they came from somewhere else and rounded the point and ended up being in the wrong spot. They were they were driving around for two hours. Wow. Okay, it's okay. It's okay. All right, <laughs> All right Paul. I'm gonna let you run. Hey, thank you. No worries, buddy. All right, brother. See you.